Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Restoration Church. How are you today? Uh, Dover, can you please welcome Plymouth, Milton, and Bethlehem to our time together? And then while your hands are in this position, uh, every church, every location, can we give a huge round of applause to all of our next-gen students who led service last week? They, uh, every kid, every teenager, you are amazing, and I'm so proud of you. Parents, you should be proud as well, and uh, every adult in the church, you should be proud. What an amazing, amazing Sunday, and uh, I said on the podcast, but I just, it just felt like I won a championship, and I just want to retire to heaven. It just was so good, like, hey, let's just all go to heaven now. It was unbelievable. How can it ever get any better than that? Well, actually... Well, no, but today will be good. No, <laughs> um, I want to, before we jump in, just one thing, restoration recovery. If you need a restoration church, we don't talk about this every week, but uh, over a year ago, we purchased a, uh, a salon in Rochester, and we've been converting it back into a home, and it will be a men's sober home. And I got a pic- picture for you. There's been a, a lot of progress on it. And so kitchen and dining room area, uh, be a 20-bed home for, uh, for men who are, uh, who are walking out their sobriety but still need extra accountability. They're saying, I- I- I'm working, but I'm not quite yet ready to just get my own apartment yet. And so this is for them. We are pretty close to being able to, to, we're pretty close to getting our inspections, all right? And so that will, you know, who knows how that will go, but it should go well. And, but we still need, uh, and we're, we're, we're still need in the short, very quick, immediate future, six more twin mattresses and one more dresser. So you can give as a kingdom builder's gift toward that, or there's a registry link online to, to purchase that and have it have it shipped, and there, there are more mattresses and beds we need, but we're trying to get the first, I think the first uh, five bedrooms all set, and then we get two other large bedrooms that we, can, uh, that we can do, you know, over the next month or so, or over the next couple of months. So that's happening with that, very close, very exciting, it's looking amazing, and we'll have an open house... We'll have an open house for the church this month, I think, um, and so we'll, I don't remember the dates off the top of my head, but we'll let you know. It'll be during the day, and uh, if you don't get a chance to come then, we'll have another one in the evening, maybe in March, but that will be uh, your, your chance to come out and check it out. Now, let's jump right into a scripture. 
I will be tracking my time. I'm trying, I've been trying to decide all morning if I'm going to two-part today's sermon. And so we might get halfway through and I'm like, I don't have enough time to continue. And so we're going to stop right here and pick it up next week. I'm not sure. We're going to see how, how it goes. And um, if, you're, if it feels like you're not paying attention, I'll have to keep repeating myself, then make sure you get it. And so we'll have to extend it over, well, we'll have to extend it longer. But hopefully you're going to be with me on this. And I'm excited about this as, as we were... Uh, as I was working on this and writing this, I really feel like there's something here to be received. There's something good here that's going to change lives. And uh, so let's jump right in. We're going to be in the book of Joshua. You're welcome to turn there and stay there because we will be, um, we will be there at least for part one or the first half of the message. Joshua chapter 7, and I'm just going to read verse number 1 right now. It says, But Israel violated instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Now, the story of Achan, you look up at me, the story of Achan is really a famous one. And so if you've been in church for uh, you know, especially if you grew up in church, it's one of those famous stories that they teach you in kids' church. And th- I remember it as one of the first Bible stories that impacted my life. I don't know how old I was, four or five years old, and I hear this story, and I remember thinking, I can't hide anything from God. And that was the lesson I learned And that was part of really how I grew up. I can't hide anything from God. God knows it all. And that is true. And that is definitely a truth we can take from this scripture. And there's definitely lots of scriptures that back that up. If you're living with a secret sin that your friends don't know about, your spouse doesn't know about, your your parents don't know about, it will be discovered. It will come out. It, it, it's not hidden from God. He knows it's going on, and you can think that you're getting away with it, or God doesn't care, or there's no consequences. God has a way he, he, to, hopefully, his patience means repentance. He's waiting for us to recognize it, to respond to conviction, and to confess it, and to walk away from it. He has, he has zero desire to bring punishment on you. He wants you to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers because he's already poured out all the punishment on Jesus. So this is the truth from that. But there is something, what if there is something else that this scripture is teaching? And uh, scripture, as we look at it, there's many, many different lessons and spiritual truths that God has in here for us. But I think there's something else, and another way to look at this scripture, something else that this scripture is teaching that I wasn't taught, and I want to look at that. Is there something else we can learn? Now, the start of this series today is called Free, and I want to look at, over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about our finances, and is there a way to be financially free that goes way beyond 
uh, your business or all of a sudden getting a million subscribers on YouTube or uh, making some invention? Is there a way to just break out of this system and step into a supernatural system? Now, a little bit of history, some New Hampshire history for you. The first workforce strike that was led by women happened in Dover, New Hampshire in, uh, in the 1800s. So that mill that some of you live in and that holds many restaurants and businesses, it was a textile mill and they were hiring girls and advertising uh, two hire girls, ages 12 through 25. So across New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, uh, young ladies would travel to work for the mill. They worked from 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., and they were allowed only one break during the day, and they earned, their pay was 47 cents per day plus room and board. So let me stop right here. Every teenager, every kid, every middle schooler, look at me for a moment, and I want you to do this. Stop complaining about school. Stop complaining about school. Because it was not very long ago that you, your parents would have sent you to work in a mill where you lived and you had a cruel and maybe even a kind boss who would let you take one break a day. So managers forbade the girls from talking to each other during the 11 hour day and this is the part I wanna focus on. They were paid in something called scrip, S-C-R-I-P. And this wasn't just true for Dover, this was true especially for logging and mining agencies. Um, all over that part of the United States, all over the, the existing part of the United States. And what happened was, you didn't get paid 47 cents in US dollars, you got paid essentially 47 cents in monopoly money. It was company money. And then your company money was only good at the company store. So if you worked, think about your company business, you work for McDonald's, you only get paid McDonald's money that can only be used at the McDonald's store. This was true in Dover, this is true, many, many companies were doing this. And so what happened is, because they were paid in script and not US dollars, scripts could only be exchanged in company stores, I said that, but with this economic monopoly, the employer could place large markups on goods, making workers dependent on the company, and thus enforcing employee loyalty. So if you saved up your, if you were fortunate enough to save up your script, you could do nothing with it. You could never leave the company because you had no money to leave the company. You couldn't go shop around because you could only use your script at that company store because Verizon wasn't accepting AT&T script, Hannaford wasn't accepting Market Basket script, you were stuck with that company. Now, this eventually became illegal in 1938, but this kept people in poverty, it kept people stuck in a business, it kept them from ever breaking free out of that, because essentially once you got in, you couldn't get out. And this was part of what happened with the, this, this uh, strike that happened in Dover. 
they were making 47 cents a day and then they all got told, hey, you're getting a five cents a day pay cut. So not only are they being charged extra costs, not only are they in these terrible working conditions, but now they're getting a pay cut. They went on strike. The strike was unsuccessful. They did the strike. They began to parade around the mill. They began to parade through downtown. And then the company said, uh, it's called hiring scabs, but they just put out, hey, we're looking between two and 300 people to come and work. And so... All of them went back except for the leaders of the company who were not allowed back. They were blacklisted from the company. They all went back. And most of these strikes were unsuccessful. There were a few that were successful. But they're saying, hey, we want to break free from this. And essentially, they were not able to. Listen, we have an opportunity to live and exist within Satan's economy or to live and exist within God's economy. And Satan is going to do every possible thing he can to get you stuck in his economy, where he pays in script. He pays you things that are worthless, and he overcharges, and he jacks up the price, but he's going to keep you within his economy and try to do everything he can to get you from... And so you're going to try to strike, you're going to protest, you're going to complain, but he's going to manipulate things so that you're back there on Monday. And he pays you really as much as you want. Oh, oh, yeah, you want? Oh, sorry, we won't take away the five cents of pay. And then they're just going to raise it, all the prices in the company store. He will pay you as much as you want. I want to be famous. I want to make money. I want to sleep with a lot of girls. I want to, um, whatever, whatever. He's going to pay you as much as you want. He's going to allow you to get as much as you want, knowing he's making double profit when it comes time to pay. We have to recognize what's going on. As church people, as non-church people who are in service today, as followers of Jesus, as those who don't believe in Jesus, we've got to recognize the system and the cycle that he has us in and, to, and for me to tell you and declare to you, you can 100% be free from that. Well, let's take one example uh, of this. So uh, within our culture, the thing that's celebrated is to be free sexually. And that is what is uh, sometimes very, it's condemned in the church. It's looked down on the church. You're made fun of if you say, yes, I'm going to follow scripture and I'm not going to have sex or sex-like activities until marriage. People are like, what is this foreign language you speak of? And you think you are missing out on every great thing. You, you know, what if you, and all kinds of questions and, and people are like, can't even believe you would make that decision. But Satan's like, have fun, party, don't miss out. You going to college? Listen, this is what college is. Sleeping around, going to parties, uh, uh, having memories. This is what it is. Oh, you need to, you, you want to make money? Use your body. Use it. You can have income of five figures a month. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And, and, and so many people in our culture are like, this is what I need to do. This is the way to have a rich life. But we, we either ignore it 
or we're ignorant or naive to it, or we are just not even aware of the effect it's having in our heart and mind. But those who live this lifestyle have dramatically, significantly higher rates of anxiety, loneliness, shame, depression, addiction, divorce, and regret. Significantly higher. So Satan's saying, sleep with you who you want, love who you want, participate in these things, experience these things. Here's more script. Here's more script. Here's more script. Here's more script. And then he's like, there is no way out. I've got you hooked into my economy where I will make you pay double and triple, and that will make you miserable. And you can try to change, but you ain't changing. You can complain. You can go on strike, but it ain't changing. You're stuck in this. And I'm telling you right now, you do not have to be stuck in that. That scripture teaches and points out a way to live. Those who are, who wait till marriage, the statistics on the opposite side are, people think you're making it up. But those who wait until marriage, the sexual satisfaction they have in marriage, the amount of times they have sex is dramatically higher than those who you're, who you're idolizing on the internet. And then, and, and the, the, the rates of, of, um, of depression, anxiety, loneliness, it is minuscule for those who are following God's word in this lifestyle. Yeah, maybe you get made fun of a little bit as a teenager in your 20s. And this, listen, this applies to those of you who are in your 50s and 60s who are single. God's word is not just applicable to the teenagers. It's God's word for you too. So moving in together, I mean, that's one of my messages, which is why we might need to move to part two. <laughs> we... Um, when we follow God's word, it brings us on a different plane. We experience something different because, because we're walking in, in God's economy. Listen, financially, the devil acts very similarly. He'll give you what you want. Oh, you want overtime? I've got overtime every Sunday for you. Time and a half, here we go. You want income, you want subscribers, you want uh, uh, company endorsements, I'll get you all of them, but they're gonna push you and pressure you to change your message just a little bit. In order to get more, you're gonna have bigger impact if you just let go a little bit of the Jesus stuff. And he wants you to believe that working for him is best. Or if I, if I work, and we think we're working for it, if I do it my way, I just have a lot more, if I do it with God's way, listen, I end up with less. And we begin to think, well, Satan and his economy, he's paying more than that other guy, God. And we look at our income, and I'm going to be very, very frank with you. We, we look at our income, we look at Satan's economy, we look at God's economy, Satan's offering me 10% more than God's offering me. I'm going to, it's just a matter of economics, pastor. 10% raise is a big deal. I've got to, I'm going to go, I'm going to, it's nothing personal. I'm sure, you, you know, 
you're a great place to work. I'm sure the benefits are great, but the 10% raise, I can't snooze at. And we fail to recognize that we are working, we choose to work for a grueling, greedy boss who doesn't care about you and he's taking advantage of you. He forces you loyalty to him by holding you down and keeping you from moving ahead. And if your character allows, because some of you think, would think like, well, that can't be true. These people aren't struggling. They're not hurting. The people I'm idolizing, they're not lacking. They have everything I could ever want. That guy that I like, he's got 15 supercars. I'm going after that. And I'll tell you this, if your character allows and you are greedy too, he will promote you. And we think, I've got more than I could ever handle. You've got, is it because there is greed in your heart that he, you're now not one of the people going on strike. You're one of the people causing the strike. You are one of his, one of his managers taking advantage of others. And we can look in scripture and see examples of this. Think of Matthew, the disciple. What was he? Before he was a disciple, he was a tax collector. He was someone who was honoring God. He was someone who was following God. He was, and then they said, hey, we've got a way for you to make more money. We've got a way for you to jump on this Roman, uh, this, whatever, this gravy trade, this Roman gravy trade. <laughs> and what does Matthew do? He calculates. And he says, I can be in poverty or I can be rich. You can think of Zacchaeus as well, another tax collector. He says, I'm not going to, I'm, I, okay, there's God's economy, but everybody's struggling. I'm going to jump in. I mean, really, I'm just trying to take care of myself. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but what is, what were the Romans doing? They were attracting those who had greed. How do we break free from the scripts that Satan pays? I want to jump back into the Aiken story, and there's a few things I want to point out here. So looking back at chapter 7, and in a minute we'll be in chapter 6, it says, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Violated the instructions. What were the instructions? All right, now let's go back to the previous chapter. Because this is uh, one story put, you know, there's a lot going on here. And look at verse number 18. It says, this is the instruction, this is for everybody, including Achan. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. This is the instruction that was immediately following a miracle. So the passage of scripture that we're reading, chapter 6 and chapter 7, within chapter 6 is the falling of the walls in Jericho. And we don't have time to go into it, but Jericho was this hugely fortified city. And they were thinking, how are we going to take this down? The walls are so thick that people live within the walls. And they are well defended. And how many, how many people are we going to lose trying to take that? And God says, hey, you know what? You're not in Satan's economy anymore. You're in my economy. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk around. And when I tell you to, you're going to yell. And so they do that, and what happens? The walls just leveled. Did you imagine? You're in the city, 
And all of a sudden, you hear some yelling, and then all of a sudden, you see everybody. You're like, where did our walls go? What, what just, where's David Copperfield? What just happened? And never, probably it was a Guinness Book of World Records for the amount of people that, sol- that soiled themselves simultaneously. And they, what were the, what were the, what was the people of Jericho doing? They were saying, hey, God, God, yeah, okay, we, we've got our protection, we, and they were relying on themselves. So the walls of Jericho's fall down and then a huge miracle, a big instruction and Achan thought, it doesn't really apply to me. And he begins to take a few things. He's got to take care of himself and his family. What was the immediate consequence? So that was the instruction. Achan didn't listen to it. What was the immediate consequence? So after Jericho, they were going into another battle. It was not like Jericho. They had a a bunch of recycled chain link fence around their city. And so they go, they spy it out. They come back to Joshua. They're like, hey, listen... This is probably like a half a day's work. Why don't you just send 3,000 with us? We'll go, we'll conquer the city. We'll be right back. So uh, we'll be home for dinner. Uh, we would like um, stuffed crust pizza. So Joshua's like, sounds good. Uh, you guys go do that. You guys start making some mozzarella. Let's have a day. And in verse number four, 3,000 warriors, they were sent and they were soundly defeated. They're like, charge, And 36 of them die in the retreat. They go, they, they run, they charge, big mistake, turn around. It's like my kids trying to fight with me. <laughs> I wanted to go more on that, but I'm out. So they, uh, the men of, of Ai, the men of Ai, they chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear. They had just seen God do miracles, and now one setback, they are paralyzed with fear. Listen, you just stop right there. We have seen sometimes God do miracles, and days later, we're, par- we're terrified with fear. God does a miracle and then something else happens a week or two or a month later and we're, and we're chaos. I've done this, you've done this, stop pretending you haven't. And, the, and their courage melted away. What's the path forward? They recognize something's not right. And they go before the Lord. Verse number 10, the Lord said to Joshua, they go before the Lord, they're lamenting. They've torn their clothes. God, what has happened? What has happened? This does not make any sense. This does not make any sense. The Lord says to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. They have not only stolen them, but lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. Verse number 13, he says again, get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. And I would say, you'll never get out of that mill. 
You'll never get out of that mill until you, we begin to do things God way, God's way. Twice, God said, get up. Now, I don't know, here in Dover, Pastor Jeremy, uh, when, he, when he gave the offering, I don't know what we communicated at other locations, but uh, we did not collaborate on this, all right? So this is not a, a theme here that we're trying to manipulate you here, uh, but there, there's a little bit of a common theme. Twice, God said, get up. And in our lives, we need to go through a process of praying, hearing, and acting. Pray, hear, act. We tend to just pray, pray and wait. And there are times that we wait, uh, uh, but, but waiting is, those are times when that's the action we were told to do. Most miracles require us to act before the miracle is given. What we're saying to, we tend to say to God, hey God, you go first. But God, in his, his instruction for us, is for us to go first. And so, think, you know, where else do we see this in scripture? You look at the Jordan River. They've got to cross the Jordan River. And they can wait. They sit and wait. But that was not the action that happened. What, what happened? What needed to happen first was the step. It was the step into the river first that then was the faith imparted, which caused the Jordan River to stop. Now, let me say this. If you're in a place where you need a financial miracle, you have to step first. Miracles follow. Step, we're waiting and waiting for the miracle. You've got to step first. Satan's economy is one of poverty, lack, inflation, fear, crisis, and emergencies. God's economy is one of provision, security, and peace. Let me tell you this. It absolutely is horrific what is happening with inflation. It is horrific. The utility bills and the expenses for the church are astronomical compared the last two years to the previous two years before. It is horrifying. It is miserable. But guess what? We don't exist within that. God is not affected by inflation. I don't want to teach you how to budget and borrow scripts. I want to teach you how to get free from them completely. And I need you to hear me on this. I've been, I've, grown, I've been part of this church for 35 years. I've been on the pastoral team for 20 years. I'm trying to teach you a God truth. I'm not trying to teach you something for my benefit. I'm trying to help you get, I'm trying to tell that those 13 year old girls at the Dover Mill, hey, why don't you go work for Blockbuster? Like, why don't you go work for someone? Go shovel horse manure. Go back to, to, to threshing wheat or, or planting corn or planting potatoes because you don't deserve that. You don't need to be stuck in that. There's a much better way for you to live your young life. I want to teach you how to get free from scripts completely. You don't have to go on strike. You have to quit working for a grueling boss and work for God instead. Now, I want to give you some questions to ask ourselves 
and ask our family. And similar questions to what we were just studying in this scripture. So four questions here. Are there things in our house that belong in God's house? What are the instructions we've been given? What are the consequences we could be experiencing? What does God promise? These are questions we're going to look at here in God's word. And we're going to find our answers here. And I'm telling you, as someone who's lived this, and, and I'll, 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 say, I'll, I'll go more out on the limb here. I grew up in a house with Christian parents. I am raising a house with my wife as Christian parents. The way my parents lived and what I experienced as a child is different than the way I live and what my kids experience as a child. What I witnessed from my parents was was um, uh, uh, nights where we didn't have dinner, hand-me-down clothes. I remember in fourth grade going to school with a, in a velvet shirt. A velvet shirt? <laughs> because that's what we could afford, free clothes. I experienced bounce checks and overdraft fees and cars getting repossessed from Christian parents. What I discovered later on in adulthood is that that period of our life, they were in Satan's economy. They were not parents who tithed or taught me how to tithe. They were Christian parents. They're both going to heaven, but they did not understand this. They were not able to do this because how do you give when you have nothing. That's what they would have communicated with me if I were their pastor. My, my wife and I, in every moment of complete brokenness that we've ever had, and we've known brokenness. <laughs> when we were first married, and we had two little babies, we, we screwed sleeping bags into the wall in the living room to cover their doorways, sleeping bags, because that's what we had. So we could have one room that was over 55 degrees. We've done months and months of eating peanut butter, and we never once missed a tithe, because we were not called to take care of ourselves. We were called to trust God to take care of us. And I've got good news for you. I didn't starve. I got fatter. I've got good news for you. My wife never starved. I've got good news for you. None of our babies ever starved. I've got good news for you. We never had to eat our dog. I've got good news for you. God supplied all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Listen, we didn't turn the heat up to 75 and say, hey, God, prove yourself. No, we had to act. But trusting that he was our source and our supply, trusting that when he called himself Jehovah Jireh, he wasn't tricking us. Like when I, yeah, anyway, <laughs> he wasn't tricking us. I, listen, as we walk through these questions, 
I want to walk through a scripture and I don't want you to tune out on me. Because if you've gone to church, you've heard these scriptures taught before, and when we hear it over and over again, especially if we don't want to do it, we tune it out. If we're going to break free and step into God as our source, serving Jehovah Jireh, not, I can't think of a bad nickname for Satan, <laughs> that's a bad enough nickname, I guess. What, what, <laughs> listen, there's freedom in these are verses for you. Listen to me on this. Malachi 3.8, it says this, should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation that's been cheating me. Achan hid things in his tent. What's hiding in our house? And listen to me, I'm not trying to get a single thing from you. And I know some of you don't know me. I'm not trying to get a single thing from you. I've lived in two households. I know what it is to trust God and to see God move. I want that for your house. We tend to have some things in our house that belong to God. It can be a tithe, it can be a kingdom builders, it can be a gift. What's in your house that belongs to God? What are the instructions that we've been given? Malachi 3.10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. There's another instruction in this verse. Put me, try it, put me to the test. That's an instruction. And not the same way like I say to my kid, yeah, you go ahead and try it. Test me. Come on. Let's see. You think I won't punish you? No, God's not saying that. The exclamation points on here are like me telling my kid, come on, go down the roller coaster with me. Let's go, man. You've got to do it. You've got to, I don't care how scared you are. Come on, man. This is going to be the most amazing thing of your life. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. You don't have a choice. You're going. <laughs> a little bit different between me and God. What? Consequences could we be experiencing if we're not following his instructions and we're keeping things hidden in our house? The big thing here is that when we live in the economy of scripts, we live under the uh, under the we 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 live under the oppression of the devourer. That's how he's described here in this scripture. And you've maybe, you've, what consequences are you experiencing? Well, I want to get, Pastor, and I know you want to. I know you want to. I know what your heart is. I know what you want to. I know that you want to. I'm not denying that. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to bolster you with courage to walk out of that mill. Well, if I don't do this job, my family, my, my daddy can't work, my mom, they'll lose everything. Listen. You've got to believe what God has for you. you. This is what you've experienced. You can never get ahead. From one generation to the next generation, you can never get ahead. From one paycheck to the next paycheck, you can never get ahead. It's one bad thing, one emergency after another, one, sometimes one bad financial decision after another. Because you just, 
As soon as you get a raise, you go buy a car you can't afford, and then you're, you, you actually have less money than you did before you got the raise. You can't out-earn a lack of financial wisdom. But, what is, what it is, but if you step into God's economy, verse 11 says this, and I'll read it from the ESV. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, bear says the Lord of hosts. There, that is another promise here in this scripture. I am really running out of time. Let me, let me roll through this real fast here, and I am on the last page. Um, the question to ask, there's another question in here that we tend not to read. In verse number 13, it says, you have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. And the question to ask is, have I defamed God? Have I spoken negatively about him? And they're like, what in the world do you mean? What have we said against you? And you have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. We, for those who do evil, get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Listen, when I was at my brokest moment, when I had sleeping bags screwed into my living room wall, and I couldn't afford oil, and my neighbor, who was a drug dealer, was, to me, I felt like he was rich. What'd you eat for chicken, for dinner tonight? Chicken. Wow. Man. And you begin to question, why am I following God when it seems like everybody else is getting so far ahead of me? You've got to remember, they are millionaires and monopoly money. They are millionaires and monopoly money. And you are making true investment into the things of God. And God has said again, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. We say these things, I can't afford it. I will when things change. I will my next pay raise. If God does this, then I definitely will. Listen, those, you can say that. You can keep coming here. I'm not going to hate you. No problem. No problem. But if you want to step out of scripts, if you want to step out of taking care of things on your own, if you want to step out of the, gener- the generational lack, if you want to step out, then you can take the 10% raise and work for the grueling boss. You can take the pay cut to change your quality of life. Listen, giving is the gate to God's economy. It's the first step. Close your eyes, fans, you can move into place. Listen, I know some of you don't know me and you can be like, what in the world? I am never coming back here. And today I'm preaching to people I've known a long, long time. All right, so I'm not preaching at you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or feel weird. I'm called the pastor of church and to help people step into everything that God has for them. And... These are my friends and family here at this church. And so I'm talking passionately to them because I know in the same way you might 
try to convince a friend to leave a bad job. You might try to convince a friend to leave a bad relationship. You might convince a friend to do something about their health. You might try to convince a friend to stop doing drugs. It's my same passion that I'm speaking to my friends and family in my church that I love so much. Telling them, listen, there is a way different way to live. There's a way better way to live. There's a boss a God who loves you, who will treat you as a son and daughter, not treat you like a manager, not treat you like a tyrant, not treat you like some rich mogul trying to make more and more money. And I want my friends and my family and my church to believe God's word and step into that. That's why I preach with passion, not to convince you to do something, but begging and pleading my church to respond to God's word. Church, those of you who've been here for a while, we've talked about this. Some of you have known this for a long time, and I'm not putting condemnation on you. I'm just saying it's gonna be, it is gonna be a scary thing. You've got, you've got millions of dollars in scripts, and if you leave, they're worth nothing. I get it. But God, God's got promises. Yeah, it'll be lack, it'll be lean. It'll be an adjustment, it'll be, it won't be comfortable. And you'll be tempted to go back on Monday. Thinking I'm gonna lose my, I, I tried it for a weekend. We did some march, we did some parade. I, I cheered, I said, you are more than able, which we'll see here in a minute. I was cheering, I was excited, but I still, you know, but the bills came and it just didn't work for me. I, I, those of you who are ready to step in, those of you who are willing, you're ready to step out of the mill, you're ready to step into what God has for you. Step out and don't ever go back. Don't ever go back. If you're eating peanut butter, you've got to cancel Hulu and Peacock and YouTube TV and Disney Plus and Paramount Plus in order to tithe. Do it. Well, what will we do for entertainment? Try picking your nose or something. I'm sure there's plenty of ways to be entertained. But trust God. Watch Him provide, not just today, not just this week, but for the rest of your life. Jesus, we love you. And the enemy is going to try to do everything he can to keep us working for him. But we shut those voices up in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, may we listen to your word, trust your word, act on your word. And Jesus, you've called yourself Jehovah Jireh, and I, I just pray we would believe you for that. We will step into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand to your feet? Can we sing for a minute?